The executive producer for this episode of Walnut Grovecast is Angela Bowen. Hello and welcome to the newest episode of Walnut Grovecast. For the next couple months, Walnut Grovecast is returning to a weekly schedule. Along with Walnut Grovecast, I am working hard to finish up episodes of Bonnet Heads and The Little House Book Club. Included in those side projects are more of your favorites, such as Wagon Talks, Character Discussions, interviews with cast members, and so much more. By now, you must have read Kelly Milkey's hilarious addition to the website, The Prairie Review. If not, please visit walnutgrovecast.com, and it's right there. It's right on top. As always, these shows and articles are not only free of charge, they are commercial-free. I would like to thank the following supporters for making that possible. Michelle Ferguson, Aaron McManus, Chelsea Wofford, Marissa Baker, Brandon Letoulier, Leah Chiapino, Cheryl Van Dusen, Thoy Rodriguez, Angie Zidava, Cheyenne Hampton, Chris Hassler from the VHS Rewind podcast, Laura Solarin, Dean Almanzo Butler, Spunky Cheek, Dana Wilkins, Chantel Dubois Nishiyama, Melissa Halfpint Gilbert, Suzanne Holland, Leah Mitchell from the Retro TV podcast, Michelle Tarrier, Brian C. Mellenbacher, Marianne Lockwood, Margaret Laviska, Jennifer Jones, Julia Schroeder, Tanya Weber, Leah Chiapino, JJ Hurley, Elizabeth Villamagna, Robin Lee, Matilda Smith-Thompson, Shannon Quinton, Lydia Kikuchi from Late Nights with Hitchcock podcast, Elvira Dabas, Candy Gleason, Megan Eichner, Kelly Milkey from the Dr. Quincast podcast, Alicia Olin, Rachel Boren, Stephanie Carnes, Julia Monin, The No Agenda podcast, Peyton England, Matthew Mercier, Stacey Keller, Bobby Young, Teresa Trapp, Jeannie Schneider-Mitchell, Max Duration, Katie Bollinger, Whitney Cole, Laura Furman, Val Williams, Anne Quinn, Jeannie Comer, Aaron Wartman, Don Roberts, Rebecca Harris, Sherry Benner, Angela Bowen from the Looking Back on My Wonder Years of Wonder Years podcast, Susan King, Jeff Griffin, Megan Parker, Brian Sellers, Stephanie Bailey, Andre Bjarkison, Rhonda Ludwig, Stacey Corrigan, Whitney Griggs, Julia Jin, Jill Stellman, and finally Chris Cooling from the Forgotten TV podcast. Thank you all for your support. You make this podcast possible, and in my eyes, this is truly your podcast. So if you have any ideas, suggestions, please feel free to reach out. If you would like to support Walnut Grovecast, please visit patreon.com slash walnutgrovecast. Without further delay, please enjoy the newest episode of Walnut Grovecast. Listening to Walnut Grovecast. Um, today I have a very special guest. We have author Alicia Murphy. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. 
And here. thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad that we were able to do this. My internet had been fighting us, but we, thankfully you were able to reschedule with me. I appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. No problem at all. Is Dean Butler in this episode? I just, yeah, I, this was before Dean, I think, wasn't it? No, I paused it. It's Dean Butler oh, as no. Almanza Wilder. He is in, yes, he is. I'm sorry. Yes. Um, I have to look for him. I think only in... Maybe like church? The church scene, yeah. Where they're reacting to Dr. Baker saying, like, I didn't make the introduction. I didn't think... <laughs> yeah. Spoiler! Spoilers! Well, you, but no, you, I'm joking. I'm joking. You stopped it, didn't you? No, I don't stop anything. This well, is... <laughs> You said you paused it. Why? Well, pa- no, I paused the um, clip. Oh, 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 sorry. This is all live. <laughs> Not live, but it is. Yes, um, Dean is in it. Yes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> if I pause, wow, I would do so much editing if I paused it every time. <laughs> I try not to edit anything. People who listen to this podcast, um, Kelly Milky, I do a podcast with her called Dr. Quincast, which is about Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman from the yeah. 1990s. And... She said if she had a nickel for every time I said, well, I'm going to edit that out afterward. <laughs> She's like, I would have quite a few nickels. That's yeah, It's like, I just leave it in. You know what? <laughs> leave it in. It's easier that way. Uh, do you want to talk about the episode we are talking about today? Sure. Yeah. It's Dark Sage. Um, very, I think, very powerful episode. Yes. Um, Doc Baker has advertised for an assistant to help him because it's work in the office and around the farms has gotten so busy. Um, and a very qualified, overqualified doctor named Caleb Ledoux. Maybe overqualified. We don't know if he's really overqualified. I guess Dr. Baker said from his resume, he's yeah. overqualified. But I then, like him, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, then, but it comes out later about how the, you know, he was able to do the surgery that Dr. Baker wouldn't have been able to. This pretend. is true. He was able to do that. I, I believe that Dr. Baker could have pulled it off. Depending on his hair day. Oh, he, <laughs> <laughs> he can do anything, that Doc Baker. With the right curl, he, he can do anything. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know what we see? We In the opening shot of the entire episode, we see something we don't normally see, and that's two wagons crossing paths. Yes. Kind of, I don't, I like these little things. Um, I don't think I normally notice them outside of the podcast, <laughs> but just two Two people just passing um, on a dirt path. And you know what? One of them is Almanzo. So Dean Butler is in the very first scene. Because I think he's passing Doc Baker. Do we get an actual shot of the faces? No, but you hear the voices. (laughs) Okay. I believe. He made his his paycheck this week. (laughs) (laughs) You just sit there and be handsome. Dean Butler was great. He deserves every credit. Yeah, there you go. So we get to meet a new couple. Um, it seems like every three episodes or something, there's a pregnant woman involved that um, needs to deliver right away. Yes. Jenny and, Sherman in this case. And, and Nathan. What do you think of Nathan? Aside from his racial um, epithets. Yeah, well, sadly, yeah. Sadly, Nathan was, I would say, not in the minority in terms of how people in those days looked at blacks, which is, you know, unfortunate. Nathan uh, might be the only person in this episode to really give Dr. Dr. Le, oh my God. What? Ledoux. Dr. Ledoux. Dr. Ledoux. A hard time. Really? 
Yeah, I mean, he, aside he, from he Todd. Him. I mean, Harriet kind of blows him off, but she doesn't. Oh. Yeah, you remember when <laughs> she doesn't let him. She, she, you know, she goes in with her ankle pain, but then when she notices his skin color, she doesn't let right. him treat her. Oh. But yeah, she's not as she's not mean like Nathan was. Right. Nathan. She just kind of is quietly um, discriminatory, and exactly. yeah, that that's a huge problem too, of course. Mm-hmm. But but to you know say it right to the face, like wow, you know, we, we hear that it's very often to be. Um, to be honest with the way you feel, I guess, but oof, sometimes it can hurt, I guess. That's awful. Yeah. And then, you know, when he was willing to almost allow his wife and baby to die rather than have Dr. Yeah. Lee treat them, it's, you know. Well, in the doctor's office, we meet, um, we meet them and Doc is just being Doc. All right, Jenny. You don't have anything to worry about. Just take it easy from now on. All right. And you see that she does, Nathan, and help her out. If you say so, Doc. Oh, Doc, can you come right away? Harriet's hurt herself. I'll get my bag. I'll get my bag. It's like two feet away. You don't need a bag. <laughs> he always has his bag, yes. Doc's like, let me just comb my hair. <laughs> I you love Doc's hair. hair. I love his hair. It's crazy. All right, so we're in the mercantile looking at just looking at Harriet's sprained ankle. Well, we don't know it's sprained yet, but we're going to assume. And we learn about a new person coming to town. Well, that doesn't seem to be too serious, Harriet. You stay off that foot for a couple of days and you'll be just fine. A couple of days? Thanks coming over, Doc. I know how busy you are. You know, it has been busy lately. Every day I keep hoping the new doctor will show up. I really need the help. New doctor? I didn't know you hired a new doctor. Well, yes, in a manner of speaking. Dr. Ledoux. He and his wife are coming here from New Orleans. New Orleans? My! Ah. Well, I'm off to Ms. Rucker. You know that woman who keep one doctor busy all by herself? Ledoux? That's French. They're French, aren't they? I don't know. I guess so. Stay off that foot. I bet they are French. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, for all of the people who um, are backing me up with the amount of ferns that are on the TV show, I don't know if this is something that's made its way to your viewing um, habits, but there are ferns throughout the entire filming of the show. And I just noticed that the Olsons have a fern. so weird. I, I have theories about it. I think that there are a place to hide microphones. Um, but you will find, once you start noticing the ferns, you'll never not notice them. They're everywhere. I have never noticed them until you just said it. And now that you said it, I can picture many ferns <laughs> in many different... <laughs> I just think it's so strange. One, I don't think that fern ever existed. <clears throat> I would have noticed it by now. I just noticed it for the first time, though. So it's possible. The other thing is... I don't think indoor plants were that popular. Hmm. I don't know. I think back then they thought they sucked up all the oxygen. Oh. (laughs) I don't know. Hmm. Maybe they focused more on the outdoor stuff, on the prairie. Well, it's just, it's a very classy look to have this uh, fern. There are no ferns in the Ingalls house. Oh, those are luxuries they couldn't um, possibly imagine having. 
They don't even have complete walls. But I feel like there might have been ferns in the big house that Laura and Almanzo inherited. Which one's Almanzo? Almanzo, sorry. Uh, I, oh, right. I, wasn't Almanzo. Sure. I wasn't sure which one that was. Is that what you're doing? Correct? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Almanzo. I just recently learned this since writing my book that... Almanzo's get the bell. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's a gong show. Right. That's actually really... We should have a gong every time somebody says Almanzo. Almanzo, yes. But I know but Gene I Butler says Almanzo, too. So. <laughs> yeah, it's new to me, too. You know, um... And I got, like, the real fun story from Dean Butler and from Lucy Lee Flippin. And Lucy Lee Flippin's the person who really coined the pronunciation of Almanzo. Yeah, she just kind of said it in that first taping, didn't she? In the first right. episode they were in, and they went with it. Right. Everybody pronounced it that way. Pretty hilarious. That. Yeah. It's how wars start. <laughs> so it's pouring out in, in Walnut Grove. Actually, well, you know, it's funny. My my kids always get annoyed with me because I never correct anybody for my name pronunciation. It's my name is spelled Alicia, but it's pronounced Alicia. Ooh, I don't know my right. parents did this. It has caused a lifetime of heartache. No, I'm kidding. Um, but it, <laughs> I never. I don't like to correct anybody, and my family's always like, "Why don't you tell people it's not Alicia? It's Alicia." Well, it's well, I I didn't say Alicia. I said Alicia. <laughs> So because, Alicia, but everybody says Alicia because that's how it's spelled. But it's and Alicia. I guess with Al- Almanzo, it is spelled Almanzo. It, it is spelled with an A. So it's Alicia Murphy. Yes, Alicia Murphy. But I was just going by the whole Almanzo, Almanzo thing. Like oh, I know. I'm just ribbing. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I like Alicia. But I knew somebody who would like their name to be pronounced Alicia. Oh. I, yeah, I've gotten that one too. I'm Mark. There's really there's no way to do it wrong. But my last name is a tremendous migraine, so I just I leave that alone. <laughs> migraine. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm always happy. My my last name growing up was Hogan, and now I'm Murphy, and nobody has ever pronounced any of my last name wrong. So um, I'm, I'm glad that I married easy last name. Because <laughs> I continue to be Alicia. It was a prerequisite. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, Alicia. Alicia. All right. I like it. I don't think I've ever heard that exact pronunciation for it. Yeah. Well, thanks. But I did not mean to change the subject about Almanzo, but but well, yes. Um, so I just did recently learn that over the last year that it's Almanzo. Yeah, I think it's somewhat um, important, but not so that. It's not that important. I just like messing with people. It is pouring in Walnut Grove. And Doc just goes to the door and um, answers it because somebody's knocking. Is there something I can do for you? Yes, are you Dr. Hiram Baker? Yes. I'm Caleb LaDuba. Dr. Caleb LaDuba, I believe you're expecting me. It's nice to meet you. Come in. Hi, thank you. So it's Caleb and um, what was his wife's name? Maddie? Maddie. Maddie. I like Maddie a lot. Like, I think... She there's something about her character which fits so perfectly in the entire ecosystem of Little House in the Prairie, and it's just a shame that um, at the end when he accepts the invitation to stay, that he leaves. Yeah, we never see them again, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah I like her a lot. Yeah, she was a great character, very level-headed and sweet. And- yeah, and she's like you're. She's like. Like a Ma character. She's very strong. She's willing to do what's right. And um, she's yeah. going to stand by her man. Yeah. Yep. 
All right, so we're going to look at his qualifications because clearly Doc is a bit shocked that he's African-American. And I would imagine that most people would be shocked in 1881 to, to see a black doctor. Um, on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, this is one of the ongoing discussions because it takes place in 1867. But uh, Michaela Quinn is a doctor. So it's like, you're a doctor, you're a lady doctor. And it, it becomes like this ongoing thing. So I would imagine having um, a black doctor and a, women, a female doctor would be just very, very rare um, in this country. As a matter of fact, with female doctors, mostly their fathers brought them into it because their fathers were doctors and they were able to teach them and give them the proper education to actually bring them in. I would imagine that would be far more difficult for an African-American to, to get um, the right schooling and all of the stuff. And we do learn that Caleb went to school for a very long time to achieve his doctor status. But here we go. We're going to look at some of his qualifications. Doc's going to put on his reading spectacles. <laughs> I assume you found my credentials in order. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, indeed. You're very qualified. Uh, thank you. Almost too qualified. Why did you want to come out here? country doctor doesn't make much money. So I was asked the same question when I bought a house in a town called Seaford on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Um, when, so we moved in, they had a block party and one of the, everybody who's, who's there seemed to be there for like three or four generations. And this one guy came up to me um, learning that I'm Jewish and says, so why did you move here? <laughs> Basically, because the entire town... <laughs> The entire town is, for the most part, um, Catholic or Christian or something. And um, it was just one of those, like, a little bit hostile, like, uh, wish I met you first <laughs> before <laughs> close the house. But, yeah, it was very weird. Like, we were one of the, like, a very, t- I don't know, this one town in the middle of Long Island, not too many Jews. <laughs> and then when we left, we, you know, they threw a big party. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did it! Um, <laughs> we made it. They threw us a parade. And said, we'll help you move. <laughs> um, no, we, we never actually had any problems. It was just that one comment that kind of reminded me. Um, of course, I would imagine that somebody like Caleb would hear this all the time, unfortunately. It also doesn't make sense to me that Caleb would come to Warner Grove of all places. Yes. Go somewhere progressive at the time, like um, Boston or right. Chicago. These are places where um, an African-American doctor could likely flourish. Right. So it doesn't make a lot of sense, but we need this episode to exist. And that's why we need Caleb to come to uh, Walnut Grove. Yes. Maybe as a shady background. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I think the worst of people. He may be on the run. Come to Walnut Grove is good. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like a cleansing place. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, your letter explained the financial situation, but it also said that uh, you were looking for a graduating doctor who's willing to work. Dr. Baker, I grew up in a rural area outside New Orleans, and I'm well aware of the problems facing poor country folk and their doctor. And I'm 
I'm here to help. So Doc's really conflicted. Um, because I don't think he personally has an issue. Maybe he does have a personal issue. But I don't think that he questions the qualifications. I think he's just foreseeing people like Nathan. Exactly. Who are clearly going to have an issue. I don't think he has an issue at all, but I think he's worried about the people in the community who will. Which is a weird thing to be worried about, right? Because Caleb is clearly his own man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's clearly had issues. So um, it's almost as though Doc is trying to protect Caleb from the obvious racial injustices that might exist in his life. Yeah, maybe. Kind of strange. That's why he didn't send him out to the on yeah. assignments. Right luckily, luckily, Harriet has not met him yet. And right. is practicing her French, which is just a fun little scene. Uh, what would we do without Harriet? Right? I mean, what? it's like such an, um, an incredible character. The comic relief. Um, there, there are a few episodes that don't have the comic relief. And they yeah. really fall flat, in my opinion. And Harriet yeah. just elevates things. Harriet and Nellie. Well, the whole Olsen family, really. Right. I mean, they on some of the darkest episodes, they have these side stories. Oh. Just, yeah. I mean, it just helps you laugh right. at some point during these really dark episodes. Yeah. But um, uh, here, here she is um, practicing her, um, her French. Bienvenue à nos petits villages de la Walnut Grove. Did you say something there? Oui. Bonjour. Bienvenue à nos petits villages de la Walnut Grove. <laughs> you want to start with that French nonsense again? It's not nonsense. Heaven's sakes, Dr. Ledoux and his wife will be very pleased that someone in this town can at least converse with them in their native tongue. We don't even know if they're French. Oh, Nels. Nell's being the good husband, though, brings her either a glass of water or milk. You know, still, you know, he, I don't know, he's still a halfway decent guy to her, you know. And, yeah, uh, yeah so she just goes on and on. And we get a nice little um, Nell's moment. Ladue, New Orleans. Of course they're French. I'm going to have them over for supper as soon as they get here. Well, that's a good idea. You can impress them with your French toast. Very funny. Where are you going? Downstairs where it's quiet. I want to read. Nails, I want to talk. I know that, dear. I've known that for 23 years. Au revoir. Au revoir. Nails just loves messing with her. It's so funny. Yes. Yeah, they were a great couple. Great, funny addition. Um... So we we don't have a lack of Harriet in this. It's his, you know, back-to-back Harriet. So we're in the mercantile, her leg is elevated, and she's just backseat driving the entire store. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nels, please, on the top shelf. I don't see what difference it makes. Well, a place for everything and everything in its place. 
Good morning, Harriet. Hi, good morning. Nails? Morning. I brought your mail over. Give it to Nails. Doc Baker said I wasn't to do anything strenuous. All right. Here you are, Nails. Yep. And I thought you might like to know the new doctor has arrived. Arrived? When? Last night. He and his wife are staying in one room over Doc Baker's office. And you wouldn't guess. Why didn't someone tell me? I've got to get right over there and welcome them officially. She just jumps up and she's like, I'm fine. I'm out of here. This is the modern woman thing to do, right? It's kind of like, look, I don't have time to have a sprained ankle. I'll just limp my way to work. <laughs> um, so I do want to just mention um, here that um, Alicia has <laughs> Alicia Murphy has a book called Warner Grove Hits Home, Prairie Values for the Modern Family. It's currently available on Amazon, but do you want to talk a little bit about the book real quick while sure, while yeah. we set up the next clip? Yeah. Um, so this book came about during the lockdown of 2020 um, when we were all feeling isolated. I was looking for um, a positive, productive use of that time and, of course, found myself watching many Little House episodes because mm -hmm. it's my favorite show. Um, and I started to jot down some ideas, some of the positive values and lessons that I feel like the show teaches things that I felt I could use with raising my own children. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I started to kind of write them in paragraph form and wondered, you know, I wonder if other parents would find this interesting um, and it's been very well received. Um, also, a number of cast members have um, shown, expressed how much they enjoy it as well. The cast members were and have been unbelievably receptive, um, so warm, supportive, willing to contribute. Um, yeah, they had great memories and thoughts to contribute to the book. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's really a collection of um, episode segments and memories from the cast and my own take on how valuable these lessons are and the values that the show teaches. Um, and the whole thing honors Michael Landon. It's been, it was 30 years in July that he passed away. Mm -hmm. And um, the publisher who, but to my surprise, snatched it up, um, agreed with me that that was an important anniversary to get the book out for. So we pushed and we, we had it ready for before July 1st for that, 30th anniversary and mm -hmm. the whole thing just kind of honors him and the show. And, um, and you've also gotten um, heavily involved with uh, raising money for pancreatic cancer. Uh, do you want to talk about an upcoming event, which this episode won't be there for the live event, but we're hoping that it's archived and people can go view this and possibly contribute something to this um, worthwhile um, charity. Yeah, it's been really fun. I decided to, um, because Michael Landon uh, lost his life to pancreatic cancer. I decided to tie my book launch to a charity event for Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really been through the month of September, October, and will continue to the end of November. Um, in September, uh, PanCan is their Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, um, kind of their nickname. PanCan had a push-up challenge um, I did 600 push-ups during the month of September. Whoa! So that was my my thing for September. And That's awesome. Money fair. Thank you. It was, it was 
interesting, fun. Um, it's a good challenge. No, <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, and then in October, beginning of October, my husband and I hosted a book launch um, party at our house called Bonnets, Boots, Bubbly, and Beer. Um, <laughs> and that, you know, was to celebrate the launch of the book. And we had friends and family over and live music and everything was little house in the prairie themed from the food to the decor to the way people, some people came dressed and um, that was a lot of fun. And between September and, and that event, we've raised almost a thousand dollars coming up the end of this month, uh, October 30th, there's going to be a virtual cast reunion um, with myself um, with a great organization called social events. One, two, three, that was formed um, also during the pandemic isolation lockdown time to help connect people online who have similar interests. So they have trivia nights and, um, you know, discussions about different shows and movies and all kinds of things that people are interested kind of brings people together. So they have graciously offered to host this charity event where we will briefly talk about my book, but mostly honor Michael Landon, remember him, the cast members will talk about him. There's a, an opportunity for viewers to um, bid on Little House in the Prairie auction items that cast members and casting directors have sent for the event, um, as well as a trivia piece that the viewers will be able to participate in trivia questions and win prizes. So that'll be, I'm sorry, my dog's barking. So that's the end of October. And then November. Your dog's trying to remind you of something. It's like, you're forgetting this. Yeah, yeah, don't forget. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm really excited for that. That's the end of October, and there's a page on the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network site specifically dedicated to that event. That's great. Um, yeah, and then in November we'll continue because it's Pancreatic Cancer and Cancer Action or I'm sorry, Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month in November. Now, what I what I think is phenomenal about um, the one silver lining of this shutdown pandemic craziness is as we move forward and things become a little bit um, closer to normalcy, we're seeing all of these things. Like you mentioned the, um, the um, social one, two, three, I forget what they were called, but yeah, social events, yep. What, social events, one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Um, we see things like this coming out of it, like getting created your book being created while we're in shutdown. Um, with this podcast, for instance, I decided to just release weekly podcasts forever. I, can't, I think I put out like 80 episodes or something. And so oh, awesome. many others have created things. And now we're seeing like the outcome of it, you know, like as we return to it and how this work that we put into things are is kind of paying off in a way. Like the audiences are getting bigger. The the people who are paying attention to the Little House are getting bigger. Um and I, I'm really happy about that. I'm really excited about that. And I'm excited to um, to follow your event and, and to see how it is. But, of course, Michael Landon passing away from um, due to pancreatic cancer, it, it's just one of these things that is near and dear to all of us uh, Little House fans. Yes. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it is really nice to see, like you said, the kind of productive things that have come out of such a difficult, dark time. Mm-hmm in our world. Um, Cause people also tried things and just gave up on it, which I don't blame them for because it was a tough time, but I right. can only imagine, I bet you like 
a million podcasts were created and like two episodes were released. Yeah. Well, people giving it a try, I guess, during that time. And I mean, if, if someone had told me before this pandemic that this would all have happened for me, that I would create this book and actually have the opportunity to speak with members of the the cast of little house. And I mean, it's just, I feel the same way. Like, because I started this podcast as a complete joke. Like, um, I always loved little house, but I didn't think there was anybody who seriously listened to this podcast. And Isn't it thing, amazing the following that the show has? Right. And next thing you know, I'm like texting like Rodimus Para, and I'm like, um, yeah. Dean Butler is like friendly with me, and Alison mm-hmm. Arngrim couldn't be nicer. And yeah. you know, it's and I know that you have similar relationships with many of these people, and it's it's amazing how things just kind of happen if you just yeah. allow it to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you know on their end, it's, and I, I mentioned this in my book, it's, it, you can almost feel what a warm atmosphere Michael Landon created on that set. Oh, a hundred percent. Still are Holy so cow. embracing. They, they just embrace their fans. They embrace the fact that this show is still being embraced. And I mean, they, they've all said there's been an unbelievable resurgence of fan mail and mm-hmm. interest and, um, I've spoken yeah. to so many people who have worked on several productions. I've worked in TV and I've never, ever experienced an entire cast. And granted, I've not spoken to everybody in the cast, but everybody from what I can tell has nothing but positive things to talk about when they're involved with Little House in the Prairie or just Michael Landon in general. Yes. And that's impossible. Like, it's almost like, are you paid off? Like, what is the deal here? But Everyone is just so nice and so wonderful, yeah. and I, it's unheard of. <laughs> and they said, to, a lot of them have said, like, jokingly, you know, Little House kind of ruined all of us for the next, any other project we were involved <laughs> yeah. in, because they said there was no other set like it. You just couldn't compare. <laughs> Nothing ever measured up to what it was like on, on the set of Little House. Yeah. So we really created quite a pleasant atmosphere, I guess, and... I guess it was like really like a family from what they say. That's I've heard that a hundred times, right? Mm-hmm. It was like a family. We go home at the right time. We get there at the right time. And yes. I don't know. It's, it's a badass show and people should definitely continue watching it. Yes. We, we need television like this today. Yeah. I just don't think it's possible. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a different time. It wouldn't be received the same way, but I have to say like my, I mean, my family, this show especially since I started writing the book. I mean, it's on all the time. I, you know, I I work from home and so I have the show on while I'm doing all my stuff and I'm around the house, whether Mm -hmm. I'm writing or cleaning or whatever I'm, you know, doing as a mom, um, it's always on. And as much as at this point they can sometimes roll their eyes, they'll also be like, Oh, I like this one. And they'll sit down for a couple minutes or this is a funny scene. And I know they're taking things from it too. Yeah, I'm trying to convince my 13-year-old son to review an episode with me. And he'll get into it because I'll set him up with, like, a real microphone and everything. And he'll like the experience. But I don't know. We'll see about that. I don't <laughs> I don't want it to be like a... a um, sometimes when people bring kids onto a show, it can kind of really be terrible. <laughs> well, especially, I mean, teenagers. I have three of them. And I'm telling you, they don't really like much of anything. So. I'll his phone going <laughs> off the whole time. Bloop, 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 bloop. So are you texting right now? As a matter of fact, um, when I spoke to Dave Friedman, 
at one point who mm-hmm. played Jason. Such a nice and, guy. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's, he's awesome. Um, and so easy to talk to. But so he's friendly. somebody who doesn't really want to be involved so much. Like he's just on his own, um, doing his own thing. Yeah. But I think when he's, when you reach out to him, he is interested. Um, you know, he, he had the best time. He said when he went to the mm-hmm. reunions and stuff and yeah. got together with the cast and, and met fans and signed autographs. He said he really enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, um, he's, a, he's just, he seems like the kind of guy I would have grown up and hung out with as a kid. Like we were talking music and stuff, but yes. yeah, I don't know. I, um, maybe he's changed over a course of um, time, but he just seems like some people just want to put it a little bit behind him. Not for like a terrible reason, just like it was, that was the experience. And now moving forward. That's yeah. And I think he was so young mm-hmm. and he was on the show for a much shorter period of time than, than some of the cast. Members. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, he, it's you're, funny. You're he, a Carter. He was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he told me that when he was a kid, he thought he was a horrible actor. And he said, when I look back at the episodes now, I, he's like, I think I did a pretty good job. Did I thought he was job. adorable. Yeah. Perfect. Are you kidding? Yeah, really Definitely a memorable, one of the, I would say one of the top five best characters in the end of the entire series. He was always memorable. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He was funny. He was like sweet, heartwarming. But yeah, but speaking of heartwarming, um, Harriet's so heartwarmed. She just jumps up. The adrenaline's running and running through her veins. And she's like, I don't care about my sprained ankle. She runs over to meet Dr. Ledoux. What do we do? Ah, Harriet, <laughs> what are you doing here? Well, you shouldn't be walking on that ankle yet. And we saw her running, which I think is really funny. She's like, bah, 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 like running a marathon to get there. <laughs> Now you go on home, and I'll check by this afternoon. Oh, well, there's no need, Dr. Baker. Um, maybe your your new associate could take care of it. Mine? Oh, mm-hmm. you mean Dr. Ledoux. Oh, yes. Oh, well, he's right in there. Dr. Ledoux. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Dr. Ledoux. <laughs> She's, like, so flustered. <laughs> oh, Bonjour, Dr. Ledoux. I'm Harriet Olson from um, Olson's Mercantile. Dr. Baker said that you could take a look at my sore ankle. Of course. Have a seat on the examining table. I'll be right with you. Oh, all right. Thank you. And the whole time his back is to her. I'm Dr. Ledoux. Good morning. Now, what seems to be wrong with your ankle? Hmm? My ankle? My ankle? Oh, oh, no. It's funny. She licks her thumb, like, almost like she's going <laughs> to rub it better. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Like she's turning a page of a newspaper or something. Oh, <laughs> no, and, oh, no, no, not my ankle. My uncle. It <laughs> is, it's my uncle. He had a very upset stomach. This morning, uh, I'm sure it was just a g- guess. <laughs> nice try, though. It's not a bad like transition from ankle to uncle. Well, she's had good, you know, teacher Nels always does that, right? When he's yeah. talking to her, and what did you say? And he makes up something that rhymes. Yeah, it's always like fun when he does that. But so yeah, Harriet basically just blows him off. Um, 
I'm going to say as innocently as possible. Um, I don't think that she intends. She just. We don't see very many African Americans um, in Walnut Grove, and it's something that's very strange for them. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, the Reverend is inviting them to the church, and Reverend is just always being Reverend, always nice and wonderful. Uh, let's see. There's a lot of like discussion back and forth about Caleb and what Caleb can do and what can't do, but Caleb needs to work on patience in order to make money. So if he's not going to be able to do his job, he's not going to be able to continue living in his one room um, that's in the hotel. Right. Let's and see. And he gets frustrated because... Now, before before the um, when we met Nathan earlier in the office, I didn't really dislike Nathan. He seemed fine, right? Yes. But now Doc Baker is going to check on Jenny, and I don't. It really bothers me that he's sitting there just eating. Like it, it just doesn't seem um, like Loving. he cares at all. Right. So he's. I'm worried about Jenny Nathan. Doc, it seems to me like you're making a big deal out of nothing. Women folk been having babies for centuries. Seems like a natural occurrence. Women folk have been dying in childbirth for centuries too, Nathan. I don't want Jenny to be one of those, neither do you. Of course I don't. I'm sent to Minneapolis for some special medicine. Now, meanwhile, I want you to do everything you can to make sure Jenny takes it easy. The eating is the only thing that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, the way he's acting isn't so bad, I guess. Um, because later on, he does show genuine concern for his wife. Yes. I mean, we I think hate him. So used to the way Charles is with Carolyn, there's a big um, discrepancy there between, you know, the way this man's behaving toward his wife, who's mm -hmm. in a delicate state, right? Than how Charles would. Yeah, Charles would... Do what we would expect him to do, which is um, do everything or have Laura do everything. Yeah. You or do just, it, Laura. Yeah. <laughs> you do something no, around this act house. like you care, you know. Yeah. Um, Caleb is completely um, just, he's pissed that he had to go take care of a horse, which I think Doc is being harsh in this scene, but I think he's being very honest. So, about, about a country doctor. Study all those years to become a doctor to take care of horses and cows. Oh. Well, you told me you knew what being a country doctor was all about. Now, obviously, you don't. You see, we country doctors, we take care of as many horses and cows and pigs and sheep as people sometimes. Do we ever see a sheep on Little House, by the way? I don't know if we ever do. Oh, well, yeah, because remember that one mortal mission, that episode with the mutton that was oh, yeah. poisoned or... Yeah, I guess we see the outcome of sheep. Yeah. We don't really see it. Yeah. Now, if you're too proud to tend... Good memory, by the way. You just pulled that right out. No, I know my episodes. <laughs> you should write a book about Little House called, um, yeah. I don't know, Walnut Grove Hits Home. That could be a good title. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Livestock when they need it. Well, you just tell me. You can go back to the city. 
Minneapolis has a lot of fine hospitals that would just love to have someone with your splendid qualifications. So, I mean, what do you think about this? I mean, I think that, well, just tell me what you think. About it. Well, so we get the ominous music, which adds a lot to the, to the moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I can understand Caleb's frustration because he's been dealing with this his whole life, basically. Um, so it shouldn't be so much of a surprise. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying I'm not saying that anybody has the right to really treat him in a certain way. But this is country doctor stuff. Right. Um, and he's I do, new. Right. But I, I did find um, Dr. Baker's response while it was valid about, you know, this is what country doctors do. I see just as many animals as I do people. There was a slight snippiness in his tone, I thought, because I feel like. I feel like he knows that Caleb's judging. I mean, I think he, I, yeah, I think he, Dr. Baker knows that Caleb feels like Dr. Baker isn't, I don't know how to put this. Like, do you think Caleb's not, Caleb thinks that Doc Baker's not giving him a fair shake? Like he's really yeah. holding him back. I mean, he, in all yeah. fairness, he's only been there for a week, less than a week. Right. But I think he just feels like if, if I wasn't black, there wouldn't be an issue. Which is possible. More of a chance. Which yeah. I, I think is probably somewhat true. Not totally true with Doc mm-hmm. Baker, but I do think that it's possibly somewhat true. Yes. Like if we had Percival come in as a doctor, it would not be an issue that he's Jewish because he's white, at least. Exactly. Until they find out he's Jewish. He would just be short. I'm not kidding. <laughs> well, yeah, he was. The big deal about him being short. <laughs> um, he also has a short temper. Yes, that only took you a short time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, um, I love the scene yeah. where um, Nelly is walking short, like she's bending her legs. <laughs> Your knees, they're all bent. Oh, I forgot to straighten I forgot. <laughs> I forgot to straighten them. <laughs> to straighten them. Yeah. Um, Poor Percy. Yeah, but this scene between... Doc and and Caleb is, I think, very telling. Right. About how they both feel. They're yeah. both, you know, feeling very stressed about the situation. And the Ledoux's are getting ready for church, um, which, you know, it's their first time going to the community church. They were invited by the Reverend. I think this is a big deal. And uh, here we are in the church. And uh, you're right. Manly is sitting there with his hat in hand. He's right there in the second row, getting his paycheck. <laughs> Before our closing hymn, I would like to introduce some new neighbors in Walnut Grove. I'd hope Dr. Baker could be here to do this, but as usual, he's out caring for one of our neighbors. So. Hey, I have a question. I don't know why I'm thinking about this right now. When school is in session, we don't have people sitting in the very front, right? Ever. Or do we? Yeah, they usually do. Because I, where I mean, do they put their books? Or in Mary sat right in the front. No, I mean in the front because um, there's nowhere to put their books if they're in the very front. Well, I always found that interesting. They didn't have a, like a desk part in the front seat. I, I never understood that. There, there was no um, nothing to lean on. Very strange. Even in the yeah, when they were in school, I always wondered why they didn't have. Also, Cassandra's Bible is way too big for her. 
<laughs> it's like a four pound Bible or something. <laughs> I don't know. I just noticed that. Holy Cassandra God. got so much airtime once she came. I felt bad for Carrie. I mean, you know, Cassandra was great. Missy <laughs> Francis was a great actress. I just felt like she got storylines and Carrie didn't. Yeah, I felt like they were really developing a Carrie to take over the reins of Laura. Yeah. And yeah, it just didn't happen. But they both do have the pigtails. And... Yeah. Oh. His workload should be eased considerably now, however, since we have a second man of medicine in our town. Let's give a great big Walnut Grove welcome to Dr. and Mrs. Caleb Ledoux. Caleb, would you stay with me? Yeah. Thank you. Take a look at this. I mean, I like them a lot. I, I really like this. They're their demeanor and all this stuff. And the fact that they've ridden in this kind of uh, being a little bit annoyed at what's going on, but not being crazy annoyed. I just think it's such an appropriate, it's, it seems like it's um like he's super level headed, but he's kind of bursting at the seams a little bit. Yeah. I like him a lot. Now let's all turn to page 58 for our closing hymn and let's stand. We're going to sing. Um, <laughs> Doc is not in church. Um, he, we learned that he's kind of hiding, which yeah. is kind of odd. Um, he's talking to his, Caleb is talking to his wife and he's kind of questioning what's going on. It, it bothers me that it's only been a week. That's the one thing that I, I just wish more time had gone by. I would feel a little bit more. I guess understand like more justified to feel how he did. Yeah, I think so. Um, we get a mail delivery. Morning, Doctor Maddie. Oh, Mrs. Foster. Uh, this medicine just arrived from Minneapolis. Oh, thank you. I'll see that Doctor Baker gets it. Have a nice day. Same to you. Thank, thank you. you. By the way, everybody seems to accept him as a doctor. They don't have an issue. You know, Mrs. Foster comes in, refers to him, hello, doctor, and Maddie. I just, it's really just a few bad apples. True. Like Albert. Albert? <laughs> yeah, Albert. I what did he do? I, I can't even talk about what Albert did. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's a medicine for Mrs. Sherman. Why don't you take it up there? Save him a trip. Maybe I don't want to save him a trip. You're convicting that man without giving him a fair trial, Caleb. <laughs> I love it when she says Caleb. Caleb. Um, I, I think I have to look up this actress because I just think she's great. Him I've seen somewhere in, in other things, but I want to know what happened to this woman. To her, yeah. I don't know her name. I'll find it real quick. All right, woman. I'll take the medicine out there. All right, Caleb. woman. What? Woman. You're not Michael Landon. You're not Charles Ingalls. You can't call people woman. He didn't. He, I, he, I think he said it a couple times. Literally, a couple. Jonathan said it to Alice a couple times when he was mad at her. Who did? Jonathan Garvey said to Alice, "Woman, woman, wait for an answer, woman." Were you married before, woman? Yeah, exactly. Um. So, yeah, and he's forgetting his medicine bag. Doctor just isn't a doctor without his black bag. Yeah, maybe one of these days I'll have a reason to open it. Aw. 
been a week. <laughs> it's just a week. <laughs> Stick with it, buddy. Give it time, my man. So well. she, yeah, he goes to deliver the medicine at the Sherman farm and gets a pretty warm welcome, actually. Got you some medicine from Doc Baker. Thank you. You're welcome. You working with Dr. Baker? Well, we work together. I'm Dr. Ledoux. Will you thank Dr. Baker for me, will you? Yes, I will. Oh, um, Mr. Sherman, you could drop that line a little. Your wife shouldn't be reaching or lifting that high, not in her condition. I don't need the likes of you to tell me how to care for my wife. Nathan, the man did us a favor bringing out the medicine. Well, this colored's got no business giving me advice. Nathan, he's a doctor. I know he what he what... is. Tell me something. I hear tell it took you 17 years to become a doctor. If you're so smart, how come it took you so long? <laughs> well, I wanted to be twice as good, so it took me twice as long. It really gets under my skin. When I think of how many good men like my brother died fighting a war just so the likes of you could go to school. Nathan, please. I'm just saying what folks in town are thinking. Mr. Sherman, I'm very well aware of how many good men died in that war. 646,392 good men to be exact. Cue the music. But, yeah, so... Yeah, so his racism kind of comes out, or his prejudices at this point. I would say that this is probably a pretty accurate um, portrayal of a white person in Walter Grove yeah. at that time. Sadly, yes. Yeah. Or most of the country, really. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I surprises me that Caleb would not go to a progressive. And that's probably where he would go. Go to New York, go to Philadelphia. You know, these are much more forward-thinking um, communities. Yes. Walnut Grove. Everybody laughed at him. He was like 65 years old. And it's like, where did you go? Walnut Grove. Had a terrible time, I bet. (laughs) Did you meet um, Charles Ingalls? Because everybody knows Charles. I mean, do you remember in the wisdom of Solomon, when Dr. Tate came, he Mm -hmm. said, you know, I I work on the reservation. Nobody here would let me treat them. Yeah. It's, and there was a reality to that. Yeah. It's crazy. Sadly. Crazy. But yeah, Nathan, of course, is um just seems like a super friendly guy. <laughs> um yeah. kind of guy you want, you know, to um help serve um at a party or something. <laughs> no sarcasm here. Yeah. Um Cassandra has a little bit of a scrape and Charles comes in for some um for some medicine and Hi, where are you? I'm Charles Ingalls. We met briefly at church the other day. Oh, yes, I remember. And who do we have here? Yeah, this is my daughter Cassandra, and she had a little run-in with third base. My, my. I hope you were safe. I was. Good. Then it was worth it, huh? Come on, I'll fix you up. Will it hurt? You want the truth? Yes, sir. No, it won't hurt a bit. Good. I like Cassandra. I just... so cute. I enjoy her on screen... Um, I think it gets a little bit weird here. Um, I know I'm pretty critical of Caleb and the way he, um, kind of portrays himself, but this is Charles Ingalls and there's really no reason to say some of the stuff that he's about to say to him, but I get it. I mean, frustration, you'll see a lot of different things, but here we go. I'll just play it. 
Nope. He's asking, um, has it been busy? Been pretty busy, have you? Thank you. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is my first patient. Let's clean this wound, okay? Human patient, that is. Well, it takes time. Folks get set in their ways. I remember Doc Baker's been here for 20 years. Yeah, I know. Can you hold this for me, sweetheart? Okay. Old habits are hard to break. So are old prejudices. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. That didn't hurt, now did it? So I just thought the like the prejudices um, was a little bit of a jab. I mean, it's clear that Michael, I, mean, I keep calling him just Michael Lennon, that Charles doesn't have these prejudices. So why kind of bring it up? Because I think he's. I mean, he could be looking for advice. That's possible. Yeah, I, I think he's just so scarred from all of his experiences that he just expecting everybody to shun him yeah before it even happens um i do want to mention maddie ledoux um was played by marlene warfield she's still around she's still um she's been in in a number of different things you know she's worked on a number of episodes of mod back in the um, 70s but more recently she's been in like tv series called cold case and the shield um you know Hmm. a number of years ago but at the same time yeah She's still out there doing her own thing. Very cool. Yeah, she was good. I liked her. Yeah. Um, so. Nope, not a bit. Good. All right, now I want you to keep this wrap on. You to keep the dirt out, okay? okay? Thank you, doctor. You're welcome, sir. I appreciate it. How much do you do? Oh, there's no charge. Anybody could clean that scratch. Well, that's very kind of you. Even a poor dirt farmer. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, just take her down to the river. I can return the favor. Well, you can. If somebody in your family gets anything more serious than a scratch, you can let me treat them. They didn't like this. I just thought, mm, and I think Charles's answer is perfect. Well, let's hope that never happens. But if it does, I guarantee you, you'll be the doctor. Um, I'm sorry. I wasn't called for it's just been one of those days. All right, I forgive you. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Well, it made him think, you know, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we all get caught up in the moment when we're stressed out and all of this stuff. And for him to get this thrown at him 24-7 his whole life, of course, yeah. um, it has to beat you down a little bit. Um, Charles, of course, says, come on over for dinner. Um, which pretty much cements your status of the town. If you're being invited to the Ingalls house, I don't know. You're like pre-approved. It's like <laughs> right. the TSA pre-approval. You just go right through everybody. Everything's good now. Um, but Ledoux confronts Doc Baker, which is interesting. Where were you on Sunday? What? I meant you weren't at church. Well, I gave Reverend Alden my apologies. I had a call to make. Oh, to whom? Ms. Rucker again. I swear the slightest complaint to that woman is a catastrophe. You weren't at Mrs. Rucker's. 
She lives four miles out. And your buggy is at delivery. It's an awful long walk, Doctor. See, at first I didn't think it was a good thing for him to call out Doc Baker. But then I'm thinking if I were in the same situation, I think I would call the person out. Yeah, yeah. And he looks caught. Like, we've never seen Doc even lie. Right. It's crazy. Yep. He should have said I was brushing my hair. Sucked <laughs> <laughs> with the hair. Well, look at it. Why didn't you want to introduce me in church? It's not that, Caleb. You have to understand something. I'm not familiar with your work yet, and I can't recommend you until I am. These people trust me. While I 100% agree with him, I do, I think we both agree that there is an element of the fact that he's African-American. Yes. It must be, right? I mean, there's no other reason. Sadly, I can really kind of see, had this episode been with a white doctor, he would have been going around, going to the mercantile, introducing and doing all of his things that Doc Baker is so famous for. Yeah. But no. Um, we do it's get... very uncharacteristic of him, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, Caleb continues calling him out. It's a little bit of a long scene. I think it's worth it. But you yourself said that I was overqualified. I know, but... But I'm black, isn't it? That has nothing to do with it. There's a trigger warning coming up because uh, the way he describes Asian American, well, not necessarily Asian Americans, but Asians. And I think it's unfair of you to bring your race into this discussion. I don't see how I can leave it out. You don't. No, I don't. I have practiced medicine in this town for over 20 years. I have treated Orientals, Indians, and Negroes without any thought to the color of their skin. So, of course, Orientals is for materials. Um, yes. You know, like an Oriental rug or rug, a lamp, yeah. not a person. It's no more... Um... And I would say that um, Indians is even on the cusp of being... Actually, I think it might be more acceptable these days to use the word Indians. And um, Negroes is just kind of fallen out of... Um, it's so old-fashioned. It, yeah. I, I wouldn't say that Negro is necessarily um, an offensive word, but I do think that it's um, out of fashion. Like, you wouldn't just casually use that. I wouldn't, anyway. Agreed. Yeah. And I won't allow you to accuse me of prejudice. I didn't accuse you of anything, Doctor. I just simply asked you a question. And I answered it. Um, <laughs> they, they cut that part out where he goes out to the back and he screams Ledu! and the camera pulls up away like a crane shot <laughs> so poor Ledu. I mean I re- we're, they're really building up this character to be somebody well I think it's kind of cool that I mean, we know as the audience what's going on because they showed Dr. Baker in his room when he was supposed to be 
mm-hmm. doing rounds during the church time. So we kind of know, but I think it's cool that they're showing us that Caleb knows what's yeah. going on. He's just trying to, yeah. I feel like, get it out of Dr. Baker without coming right out and asking. Yeah. I mean, noticing that the buggy was in the livery, I think was a good move. Um, And knowing that the person was four miles away, you know, Mm -hmm. he's no fool. Um, But here we are in our favorite place. We're around the dinner table at the little house. And we're eating something, a bunch of string beans and some undercooked meat. I'm not really sure what they're eating. It's Dinty Moore stew. I don't think it's stew, though. No, not in this one. It's not. I, I noticed that. Looks like, I don't know what that is. I don't want to criticize Ma's cooking. <laughs> Where's Bandit? Bandit? <laughs> Bandit will love it because that looks like something I would feed my dogs. It's going to be hard for him to get folks to let him treat him for a while. That's why. Why is oh, it? It's roast beef, I think. Or ham, maybe. It looks like beef, but yeah, it could be ham. You a good doctor? Oh, yeah, very good doctor. He's also a Negro. A lot of folks aren't ready to accept that. Why not? Joe Kagan was accepted. Why should Dr. Ledoux be any different? Well, because Joe Kagan did what black folks are supposed to do. Farm and labor work. Caleb's a doctor. A lot of people think that's just white man's work. I mean, that doesn't seem fair. I mean, it worked a long time to become a doctor. Sandra's like, do you have a sharper knife? <laughs> <laughs> She's sawing away at her. She is. <laughs> going to break the plate. It's a good thing their plates are like cast iron covered in enamel or something. Yes. (laughs) But here, Cassandra, in in her cutest voice ever. And he's good, too. When he says it won't hurt, it doesn't. Well, let's just pray he doesn't get discouraged waiting for folks to come around. You should leave him a Yelp review, Cassandra. (laughs) Um, But yeah, people come around. I mean they're always looking at the bright side of things and that's usually the way it works in this town. Small town always needs a doctor. Yes. Let's see. Um, the next day we're having breakfast. The Ledoux are having, they're at the all you can eat buffet at the uh, Caroline's. I mean, Nellie's. I don't think it's Caroline's yet. Maybe it is. I think so. I mean, the sign says Nellie's, but I need to look closely at what it says in the window. No, because Caroline's is maybe. Hmm, I have to look at the timeline. I need a visual timeline for Little House. Yeah, Car- it becomes Caroline's. In the episode with Percival coming. Yeah, when they want to buy, they want to rent the blind school. Mm-hmm. So that is, he loves me, he loves me not. Yeah, I... Um, I just re-reviewed that episode, so I should know... I think that I that don't. is the first episode. Oh wait, no. <laughs> well, while we while we dig around, yeah. I'm gonna play this scene where they're having um, all you can eat buffet. <laughs> it says Caroline's in the window. So, yeah, yeah. Caleb, Doctor Baker was just trying to help. Maddie, I told him I wouldn't take money, not for work that I haven't done. Caleb, I. Maddie, I don't want to talk about it. Come on, let's have breakfast. Enjoy yourself. And we get Hester Sue. Woohoo! <laughs> Hester Sue must love the fact that um, she's not the only black person in town. Yes. I mean, I'm surprised this is the first scene that we're even seeing with them together. 
true. But um, but I love this little scene. Um, this is something about it I think is pretty awesome. Good morning. Good morning, Hester Stu. I'll have some ham and eggs. All right. What about you, Maddie? The same. Oh, and Mrs. Olson wanted me to ask you if you could be here at 11 o'clock for the noon meal? Certainly. Good. And this is where um, Maddie reminds me of a bit of a Caroline. Like, I have to do what I have to do. Yes. What happens at 11 o'clock? <clears throat> uh, that's when I start my new job. What new job? <laughs> Woman? And that's a, right. And that's a Charles Ingalls moment. You know, like, what job? <laughs> yeah. You mean you got a job working here? Yes. Doing what? Doing what I do best. Cleaning rooms and washing windows. Maddie, I made a promise that you wouldn't do that kind of work anymore. Now, what are you doing? Caleb, I know what you promised, but we need some money. So, I mean, she just basically says, look, we're a couple, and this is what has to happen. I mean, it's it's the reality yeah. of the situation. That's what Caroline did when she got the job at the restaurant. Like, Charles, you're hurt. You can't work. We need money. Right. I'm stopping a dope. And he was <laughs> mad, you know? Yeah, so mad. Ow, my back. Put your shirt on and accept. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Go put your shirt on. Actually, take it off. Um, <laughs> he always had it off. <laughs> Michael Lennon was brilliant that way. Yeah. I say that in the book. Whenever possible, he took his shirt off because, you know. <laughs> when opportunity arises. <laughs> yeah, the audience, the female audience wanted to see that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely one of those things that he knew worked. Yes. And uh, so one fringe benefit of working in the restaurant is this. And if you listen closely to Caleb, he is a little bit of a Charles Ingalls laugh. There's one thing I forgot to mention about this job. What is it? It includes meals. What? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you get the, (laughs) you know, and oddly enough, we get the Charles Ingalls patented laugh right after this scene. Which is always, um, once you start listening to Charles's laugh, it's kind of infectious. So he was genuinely pleased to find out that his freckles were only on the outside. (laughs) 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 Calm it down, Charles. Yeah. Charles is the guy sitting at the opera. (laughs) He really did have such a great laugh. I mean... And and it wasn't, like, forced, or at least it didn't seem forced. Mm-mm. Um, and always big and boisterous and loud. And uh, yeah, matter of fact, my my this is just an aside, but my parents uh, were friends with a couple who knew Michael Landon very well, and when sometimes they would go out um, with the Landons, oh, and wow. she would say, "Oh my gosh! First of all, he's so handsome, but second, he has that. That is his laugh. That." infectious fantastic laugh and and comes so quick like easily he just laughs easily and yeah so um he just seems that way you know it, it, it just seems yeah. um mm-hmm. is that when um you lived in new york or was this like a west coast yes no so i i grew up on long island and um not far from it, me like 15 or 20 minutes yeah away. not far from you at all my parents were friendly with a couple named Car- uh, Kevin and Carol O'Sullivan, 
and Kevin O'Sullivan um, owned a company called World Vision Enterprises, which mm-hmm. you'll yeah, TV, it's a production company. A production, yep. And a lot of times after a Little House episode, even now, you'll see like it'll, after the closing song, it'll come up World Vision Enterprises. Mm-hmm. It has an iconic logo of um, a globe. Yes, yes, exactly. So what that company did was they um, distributed, I guess, the show to mm, like networks around yeah, the like world. Yeah, like they shuffled, they basically held production rights, uh, not production, um, distribution rights for a yeah. period of time. And yeah, if you wanted it to air on, here it was WPIX, um, mm-hmm. that it would run on, you would go through them in order to get your um, your videotapes sent to your production company. I'm right. not production. I keep saying to your facility that would air it. Right. So he, so Kevin owned World Vision and was, it's, you know, it's so funny because I remember going to their house um, at one point. I was probably maybe 10, mm-hmm. 11, probably 10, and saying to him, you know Michael Landon? And he said, nope, Michael Landon knows me. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, they were good friends and um, worked together. Um, as a matter of fact, Kevin produced Michael Landon's life story film that he later filmed, uh, Samsung. And on, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Samsung. Um, so they worked together um, but I always thought it was the coolest thing that Kevin knew. Yeah, it's a small world too, that it's in your life, you know? Yeah. So cool. And I remember like when I wanted to write a letter to Melissa Gilbert, I handed the letter to him and he handed it to her. Like it was just really cool. That's awesome. Really fun. I think Viacom bought them. If I'm not mistaken. When Viacom was I know they were bought, but I don't know by who. I think you might be right. I'm not sure. Before Viacom made their real money in Nickelodeon. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because um, World Vision was involved in a lot of big shows back then, you know, Dallas and, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of shows. But he's, he's, Kevin said, Little House on the Prairie is the show that made me a rich man. Wow. It Because it did so well. It's still doing well. I mean, it's still, it's, it is on all day. Have you noticed that on various channels? I don't have I don't have television anymore. Like we, we're fully a streaming family, but okay. that's what I hear. Like Hallmark and all of these other, you know. Um, the only thing that I hear that's inconsistent are the prints that they air. That they're they're not the best prints. Okay. So I don't know if there's only rights for certain prints. Hmm. Like I think IMDb TV has probably. 1080p like good versions but they're still not as good as the blu-rays yeah well it's interesting because so up tv is one network that has it on for many hours a day Mm -hmm. and then there's hallmark like movies and mysteries and it's interesting when you watch the it on the hallmark channel the um they haven't done the the digital revisions Uh uh-huh so it, my kids, when they walk in the room, they're like, why does it look like that? I'm like, because this is how it looked when it aired. Like, this is how it actually looked. But, you know, now with all the DVDs that are out and everything, yeah. and even some of the channels, they're airing all these digitally, you know, remastered. But it's interesting to see it on the Hallmark channel because, number one, 
it looks the way it did when it aired. And number two, they include stuff. See, I think it looks worse because we're looking at it on a very modern television. Uh-huh. And when when we were kids, we had CRT TVs, like the tube TVs. And those mm-hmm. are very forgiving. And they kind of they soften the picture a little bit. And it, there's something more... Um, you. It just looks better on one of those TVs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when you put, like, it looks harsh on modern TVs, unless you have, like, one of these modern versions of the show. I can um, see that, yeah. And Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, I'll continue going back to that, looks awful, I think. Um, and I really wish they would remaster it. It just doesn't look right at all. It looks harsh. Mm-hmm. And that was around the period of time where people were transitioning from tube TVs to... Like LCD and uh, plasma right. screen TVs. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's strange. But I am glad that Little House is finally starting to look right. Almost everywhere. Yeah. But you know well, what? You, you also need... take it where you can get it, right? Yeah. Well, you know what's <laughs> also strange about the Hallmark Channel is it was on the, I had it on the other night and it was the um, episode, The Wisdom of Solomon, which also, like mm-hmm. Dark Sage, we're discussing today, deals with prejudice and sure. racism. And Todd, Todd Bridges. They Todd Bridges. Oh my gosh, I had the best interview with him for my book. Yeah, he's, he's really nice, He was yeah. great in that role. Um, but on the Hallmark Channel, they when they played it, they kept the N word in. Well, they have it in this as well. I couldn't believe it. Did they? Yeah, I'll play it. Um, <laughs> I don't shy away from um no, I these didn't. things. Now, in the history of Little House in Prairie, I can think of maybe four or five times. Where? No, no, no. But, but what I'm saying is usually it's cut out now. It's muted. Oh, so I see what you're saying. But the Hallmark Channel leaves stuff, the original stuff in. Yeah, I think it's important to it's for a number for a variety of reasons. It's important to to leave these the way they were presented. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even in 19 uh, was that 76. I forget when Wisdom Song came out, but mm-hmm. in the mid 70s, it was still very shocking to hear this on television. You heard this on a couple of other TV shows, you know, and, and the kind of TV shows we're talking about were very different from little house, like maybe an all in the family from the early seventies or good times, or um, I don't even know if they use the N word in the Jeffersons. I mean, of course that was a bit later, but for little house and a prairie, the family show to present it this way is, was, I I can say groundbreaking, but it was extremely effective, and um, it's important. I think it's important to present this exactly the way that Michael Lennon wanted it to be, and and the other writers and right. Blanche Hanalas. Yeah, but didn't I mean? Isn't there hasn't there been like some controversy about like pulling the some of the books because of certain things? I don't think there was ever any question of pulling the books. I think that there was a lot of talk about well you know the award of course was renamed the laura Ingalls wilder award and that's that's what i'm thinking of you're right yeah and i get into this discussion on my other podcast the little house book club where in the first book um little house in the big woods one of the number one things when people want to bring up what is uncomfortable of that book they bring up one of the songs where they uh, refer to a black person as a darkie and Ooh. now when the book, when the st- song was originally written, it was in, I believe, the 1830s. 
And the word darky was a, for when Laura Ingalls Wilder wrote the book, an acceptable step up from what was originally used, which was the N-word. And so as time, I, I always think that when, as time goes on, we're trying to soften the blow of, of our past a little bit. And so using the word darky was actually a correct version of what was originally written. And it was appropriate for the period of time. Was it appropriate? That's not for me to say. I don't think it was. But that's the way it was presented. It's the way it was published. And that's the way it should stay. Right. Um, we'll go back in 30 years from today and say, wow, I can't believe we were saying that or this or that, that and this. Go back five years. You know, people are saying this. So as just people and language and racism and all these things evolve um, or devolve, we, we just change. Words change. And yeah. so I guess my point is, is that it's important to realize that to look at when something was written and to understand why. Um, Richard Wright's Black Boy, it was, you know, it's about a, a young African-American growing up in the South, poor, like dirt poor. I don't think that a word of that book should be changed. Um, and it, it reeks of racism. Um, I personally just think these books are very important. That's all. End of rant. No, I hear you. No, that's all. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that it's important that we um, we know our history, even if it's uh, real shitty history. It's important. Dear Mark, please don't curse. <laughs> you know, it's funny, um, just about the cursing. I, I had a negative review for my book. No, what? On Amazon, just saying... The, she said something like the author's research and points were were good, but her how did she word it? I I I used a few words like well, I don't actually know. the way I wrote it was no I'm kidding <laughs> no, no nothing vulgar or anything like that but she didn't like the fact that I cursed once or twice and you know that's I mean it's kind of unlittle house I guess but that's in my head like okay. Prairie values for the modern family. So once even, in a while, even Carrie modern, curses. Yeah, this modern. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> hey, watch your <laughs> language, little girl. You know, is you know, having once or twice. Like, I think at one point I say, you know, in this scene, Ma loses her shit. Right. You know, and some people don't appreciate that. So. Yeah, I don't appreciate those people. To be honest with you, and. Whenever, whenever people want to leave me these type of criticisms, like you, you can't say that, yeah, I can, I, and I will, you know, from time to time. I'm not. You'll you'll rarely find me cursing much in real life, but when yeah. I think it's appropriate, I use it. And if somebody is upset about this, what they should do is write a really long letter, longhand, right, and then crumple it up and throw it away, because that's exactly what I'm going to do with it as soon as I get it. Well, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I have to say, and this might sound twisted to you and others who may be listening, but um, I, when I saw that review, my first reaction was like, ooh. Ruined your day, probably. Morning. It's the worst. My second reaction was, you know what? There might be some people <laughs> who look at this book and say, oh, gosh, it's Little House on the Prairie. It's all going to be sunshine, roses, 
you know, no, 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 no. But then they see, oh, there's some stuff in there, some grit, some, you know, oh, I'll pick that up. Modern family. You (laughs) want a little bit of controversy. You want a little bit of something that's maybe a little bit not perfect. And people, you know, you might have people say, oh, okay, yeah. I'll check that out. People like issues. (laughs) Sadly, you know. It's your book. You can do whatever you want. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I I just, but yeah, I get it. I mean, people are just, um, they're holy rollers. You know, I wish one day I could be that perfect. (laughs) (laughs) One day they should give a seminar and I'll take that class and I'll become as perfect as they are. Anyway, back to the perfect table. <laughs> oh, that's right. Here we are. Okay. <laughs> we're basically, um, we're around the dinner table to where everybody wants to be, right? This is where Pa takes out his, um, how'd you like to make some money, Caleb? <laughs> that's right, yeah. And he's like, you can invest in my farm. I'm selling shares. <laughs> the innocence of children. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait to go to college and study. Medicine is so much more interesting than Laura's history class. What does that have to do with anything we're talking about, Albert? (laughs) You have an issue with Albert today. No, I just... You're very down on Albert. I just think sometimes... uh, I love it when there are Albert-centric episodes. Yes. But there are other times where they just kind of throw them in there. It's like, we're not talking about school at all. Yeah. (laughs) It's like... I would love it if you brought that up like four different times. Just randomly. So what's in your apple pie? I can't wait to go to school. (laughs) So it's not really Albert. It's more the writers that I have an issue with. For Albert. Oh, I'm sure your sister will be very happy to hear you say that. In the meantime, get yourself ready for bed. It's late. Is every kid's, um, like, the best thing that can happen to any kid as, like, they're being told to go to sleep? Yeah. Crisis. (laughs) Else. Come on in. Nathan Sherman called asking for Doc Baker. Apparently, Jenny has gone into labor. I told him that uh, Doc was in Sleepy Eye. I don't know what time he's coming back. That's when he asked me to come and get Carolyn. Not the doctor. <laughs> what a slap in the face. But granted, Caroline has delivered a number of babies. Yes. And she, she is pretty good at it. I get my shot. There's something wrong. Jenny's not supposed to deliver for another month. I better go with you. I'll let you the wagon. Albert, you keep an eye on the children. Oh, yes, Paul. He's going to be playing Xbox or something. Oh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I got TikTok. So you got that envelope from Doc. Be out in the barn, drinking it up. <laughs> Poor Albert. Um, Let's see. We get to the... to Nathan's house. Nathan seems concerned for once. I mean... Not that he's not concerned. He just seems like such a dolt. He's not concerned enough. Yeah, he's not concerned enough. Doctor, I just checked Jenny. She isn't doing well at all. You better come in. No. He's not to touch her. Another trigger warning. I normally never say trigger warning. But with the N-word, sometimes you just have to throw it out there. And this guy kind of just says it, I don't know, like there's no tomorrow. Like, you know, like, yeah, it's fine. They said he's willing to help. Jenny, no nigga's gonna touch my wife. Listen to me. Your hatred's gonna cost that baby's life, maybe even Jenny's. My God, man, he's a doctor. I said no. 
Charles just gives him a left hook. Like, there's no warning, nothing. Oh, I mean, this is how Charles handles it. Yeah. All right, Doc, go on in. Nathan's a pretty big guy, too, so that had to be a pretty hard punch. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, my, my daughter, and this is in the book, is always like, What's up with Charles? Like, <laughs> he's like, yeah, he'll just. There's no reason to use your words. Just take off your shirt and punch the person if they if they piss you off. If you notice, his shirt was, you know, he had one button undone. <laughs> I didn't, but yeah. I did, <laughs> glistening in my eyes. Um, so we learned that they are going to need to um, take the baby, which. I didn't do the research, but I'm assuming a C-section. Yes. Which I guess take the baby makes so much sense because you're literally opening it up and taking the baby right out. Yeah. And they, then he's stitching her up later. So yeah, he must have done yeah. C-section. Doc shows up. Nell's left a note on my door. He's like, She's I brought Chris to be <laughs> He just puts him on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. There. He's with her. Nathan's like, no, thanks. I'm doing keto. <laughs> I already ate. I already ate. He's sitting there eating. I, w- I ate. I was being disrespectful to my wife while I was eating. Aw. I can see Nathan eating while she's in labor. My husband did. <laughs> well. He ate M&M's. Oh, yeah? We, yeah. Had, we had food waiting for us when my wife was As you can tell, labor. I'm not over it yet. <laughs> <laughs> On my way with my, wom- with my woman, whoa, uh, with my wife in labor... We stopped at a drive-through uh, Starbucks because <laughs> right. I'm like, I need coffee because I know this is going to be a really long day, and I'm not going to drink. You know, I just need a cup of coffee, and I got her a croissant to eat, and that's all she ate for like 18 hours or something. Yep, sounds about right. Yeah, Oof. Mm. that was I'm sure a lot it was of fun. really rough for you, Mark. Let me tell you. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Those 18 hours were rough for you. I had a lot of. Um, Sitting around to do. <laughs> I just kind of sat around going, ah, you're fine. Dude, I don't feel bad for you. Move on. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so the baby's okay, and Doc is coming in to check on things. This is baby. Caleb is, um, he's like, which dig am I going to throw out now? Better late than never, Doc. I had to take the baby. So we do learn in um, another moment. Well, actually, Doc has some stuff he wants to say. Over. Sorry. No. No, Doctor. You're the surgeon. Um, we learned that it's a baby girl. Nathan is... Um, Caroline comes out. It's like, yeah, it's a baby girl. Woohoo! We learned that had it not been for a number of things that happened, including 
Charles punching Nathan out, things really could have been bad. So uh, here's Doc letting us know this. How's Jenny? Jenny's fine. Dr. Ledoux is putting a dressing on the incision. The incision? He had to take the baby, otherwise they both might have died. You can thank God it was Dr. Ledoux. He's a fine surgeon. So we now know that Doc Baker knows nothing about eyes or C-sections. <laughs> right? I mean, I think that for the most part, he's not a surgeon. Right? He, right. I can't think of a time where he really had to use a scalpel. He's no, a country I, doctor. No, I don't think he, he is. He's a country doctor. What do you want? Exactly. She isn't to be moved. I don't want the incision to reopen. Doctor? I guess I should say thank you. How, how warm is this guy? <laughs> I guess I should say thank you. Yeah. All right, say thank you then, because that's not a thank you. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't... I guess I should say thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, some people. They're awesome. People are awesome. <laughs> These are the same people who um, don't like it when you curse. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I should read it, because it's about a little house. Well... Everybody's got their own right to their feeling about a book or oh, anything. completely. I have no problem with that. Yeah. But. but so you would normally think that um Dr. Ledoux is thinking, "All right, look, things are going to change, but he sees a, a kind of a darker future." You were remarkable. I am so proud of you. We're leaving here, Maddie. What did you say? I said we're leaving here. Caleb, I don't understand. You did brilliantly. You saved Jenny's and, and her baby's life. You don't understand. Maddie, you saw what happened. Charles had to fight the man in order for me to help save his wife. Look, Maddie, this town is not ready for change. We're just going to have to go where we're accepted. I mean, I hate to be like a dick about this, but maybe that was the better choice in the beginning, right? Go, like I keep saying, go to somewhere where it's just progressive. Yeah. Not Walnut Grove. It's almost like you threw a dart and you're like, we're going to Walnut Grove. Yeah. I mean, like you're saying, it's highly unlikely that that would have been his choice of location, but Mm -hmm. like anything else, we needed the episode. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so many, you know, this comes up in so many of the, I don't know if you're um, involved in any of the Little House Facebook groups, but it comes up over and over, like, why do they introduce these characters and you never see them again? And yet they say, like, they stayed in Walnut Grove and you know, like, Dr. Ledoux stayed on in Walnut Grove or, you know, Lou Bates stayed on as Baker in Walnut Grove. Or, right, right, right. Why came back as Dr. Albert Ingalls and then he dies? Like, people are always talking about that kind of stuff. And that's just, that's, you know. It's the beauty of the show. <laughs> television. Yeah, I I have an issue with some of that sometimes, but I don't know. I pretty much forgive most of it. Yeah, me too. Um, We're in church the next day, and 
Um, I'm not going to play this whole scene because it's like, this scene is very long. This is like a five-minute scene. But I do cut to the chase, but I'll play the very beginning of it. The Lord said, love thy neighbor. But I think he meant also for us to help our neighbor. To care for him during times of stress and need. To comfort him during the sorrows of death. To be a brother, a sister. For truly... We are the family of man. So yeah, I hate to cut like sermons short, but um, <laughs> it's got to cut to the chase. Yeah, it's uh, a little long-winded, buddy. But Doc goes up there, and Doc gives a kind of a moving speech. But this is basically cutting to the chase. I have no right to ask this of you. Talking directly to Caleb now, right in front of the... In- all of the parishioners, it's, I don't know, it, it takes a lot of nerve to do this, to um, admit maybe there were prejudices that you didn't intend to come out, but were there. So I respect this a lot. Yeah. But this town needs you. Give us a chance to show you how much. Caroline's like bawling. Yeah. I guess Caroline is really invested if we want to look at the character. I mean, she helped deliver a baby with him. It's got to be a pretty bonding little moment right there. You think Caroline ate? (laughs) 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 Of course not. Of course not. not. (laughs) Well, Doctor, we all have some prejudice. Believe me, we do. But if this town needs me, I mean, really needs me, I'll stay. If you listen closely, you hear Doc go, crap. No, (laughs) No. I hear Ledoux! Ledoux, you're going to take my whole practice. Everybody gets up. Everybody's like, Ladoo. Grace them, I love it. And we get that close-up of Reverend. He's like, I did it. I take Yes. He says amen. Very you sweet on Reverend Alden. He's the best. How could anybody dislike the guy? He's the best. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. Um, I I thoroughly enjoyed the Ledoux, but we never see them again. Correct. Not even once, not a reference. So, yeah, it's so weird. In in several episodes, but that is what it is. Yeah, and this episode um, came out, let's see, season eight, episode four. It aired on October 26th, 1981. So this is our Halloween episode, of all things. Interesting. Yeah, it's just strange with the timing of a lot of things with The Little House. They, They were not very good with coming up with appropriate episodes for the holidays. Well, maybe they just felt like, okay, we have a couple Halloween episodes filmed already. Maybe they played those each year at that time. I don't remember. I know the little house years was supposed to take place at Thanksgiving time. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if they played that. Then they had, you know, the two Christmas episodes. I'm not sure if they just kind of repeated those or 
Um, yeah, by 81, I don't know if it was in syndication by this point. I don't know if there were, maybe there were reruns by 81. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. It's almost 82. Probably. I would say by that period of time. I think they were, because I think I remember watching them. Didn't we watch them at 5 and 6 o'clock on Long Island? Yeah, the, Channel That's 11, funny. 5 to 6. Yeah, Channel 11, yes. I always talk about how I or something like that. I would like walk away from all my friends at like quarter to five and say, I got to go home um, and do my homework or whatever. Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to my mom would say, Alicia, it's your time to set the table. And I would wait for the commercial. And they would race to the kitchen during the commercial and like set it really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Get back to the family room before the commercial. I got to go. At that point, there was no like pausing it or recording it. Yeah, there was no... Um, you had to change the channel by hand. If you missed it, you were just... You had 24 hours to wait. We were out of luck. But you know what? We got reruns. Reruns were the closest thing we got to VCRs. Oh, reruns were... I mean, yeah, that was fantastic. But um, Alicia Hogan? Uh, Murphy, I'm I'm sorry, threw in your Hogan in there. No, it's, that's right. part of my author name. <laughs> so it's Alicia Hogan Murphy... And your book is Walnut Grove Hits Home, Prairie Values for the Modern Family. You can find all of, you can follow her career at aliciamurphybooks.com. I'll put a link to everything in the show notes. Thank um, you. I want to thank you so much for coming on and talking about Dark Siege. Oh, thanks for having me. This was so fun. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider supporting Walnut Grovecast by heading over to patreon.com slash Grovecast. 